We are looking at Gospel Gems in Jeremiah, not going through the whole of the book, but picking out Gospel Jewels, and we're in the middle of the book where you've got another little book called the Book of Comforts, and my, don't we need that in these days in which we're living in. And Jeremiah 30 to 33 is mostly prophecies about the coming of Jesus, the Messiah, the most encouraging of news. And we must remember, as I've reminded you again and again, that when Jeremiah was given the prophecies in the middle of the book, things were at their darkest. We're seeing cities in the Ukraine being besieged by the Russian army. Well, here, Jerusalem was being besieged by the Chaldeans, the Babylonians, and many of the great and the good had already been carried captive to Babylon, and now the final act of destruction was about to take place, and the temple was going to be destroyed. And where was Jeremiah? Jeremiah had his feet in stocks in prison, and God gives songs in the night. What enables people to praise God in a besieged city, in a subway? What enables a man in prison when everything is falling apart around him to have a hope? Well, it is this gospel, of course. And we are in chapter 32, and we're going to look at one verse in this chapter, which is a very relevant verse to our situation, but if I can read from verse 37 to verse 31, verse 37 to 41, and maybe you can spot the verse which we're going to look at this morning in the middle of that reading. Jeremiah 32, verse 37. Behold, says God, I will gather them out of all countries where I have driven them in my anger, God's people were scattered. I will gather them together, says God. My fury and my great wrath. I will bring them back to this place and I will cause them to dwell safely. They shall be my people and I will be their God. Then I will give them one heart and one way that they may fear me forever for the good of them and their children after them. And I will make an everlasting covenant with them that I will not turn away from doing them good, but I will put my fear in their hearts so that they will not depart from me. Yes, I will rejoice over them to do them good, and I will assuredly plant them in this land with all my heart and with all my soul." Did you get the verse? Verse 39. I will give them one heart and one way. What a wonderful promise. God said last time we were looking at this verse, is anything too hard for me? Well, here's an impossible situation. God's people are scattered. The tribes of Israel are divided. And God said... I'm going to bring them together and make them one. 
And if we ever need such a promise, it's today, isn't it? Our society is so polarized at the moment. Uh, not only COVID, but Brexit and other things has caused all sorts of divisions in our country. Let's be honest, the churches of Jesus Christ aren't doing a good job of being united, are they? So this promise here is for us who profess to be Christians. And when we think of our world at large with a terrible war in Ukraine on our doorstep, we are certainly living in times that are very, very dark, just like Jeremiah was facing. And God says, this gospel brings people together. Now, it sounds like a cruel joke, doesn't it? But this is what Jesus Christ does. Let me give you some New Testament references. You see, you mustn't look at us, the church. We mess things up. You mustn't look at our country. We were known as a Christian country a few generations ago. We're certainly not that anymore. And I don't think there's much hope to be had from the world situation. What we need to do is look at Jesus Christ. What we want is New Testament Christianity. So let me just read what Jesus Christ says. Uh, in our reading, in John 10, Jesus said, I am the good shepherd, and there will be one flock and one shepherd. You can't get it any clearer, can you? And then Jesus prays later in John's gospel, John 17, and he prays that his people may be one, as you, Father, are in me and I are in you, that they all may be one in us. Why? That the world may believe that you sent me. What a powerful witness to the gospel if Christians are one. No wonder people are not being converted today. And then, a little later, in Acts, when you have the church being born, one of the greatest descriptions of the church, we tend to think of church as buildings or as, uh, I don't know, uh, religious ceremonies uh, or all sorts of weird and wonderful things. But this is the church. Those who believed were of one heart and one soul, just as Jeremiah prophesies here. One heart, one way. What an amazing thing the church is or should be. And what about um, Ephesians? I know I've got a lot of verses here. For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. That's what the gospel can make you, a child of God. There is neither Jew nor Greek, Welsh or other nationalities, Russian or Ukraine. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. So without further ado, let's look at the two promises here. This is impossible for you and for me, right? We, we can't bring this oneness about. 
But this is not about us, it's about God. And look at the promise first of one heart, one heart. Now, we have come across the word heart in Jeremiah many times. It does not refer to the physical organ that pumps blood around the body. Neither does it refer to the feelings. Uh, Sometimes we all want to feel one, don't we? When you're in a concert or in a sports event, uh, everybody feels at one. No, the heart here is something much more than that. It's the very centre of the person. It's the soul. It's the control room, if you like, of your being. And there's somebody in control. So Solomon says in Proverbs, it's from the heart that everything arises in life. So God isn't so much interested this morning in what you say or what you do. It is important in its place, but ultimately what we say, what we do comes from our hearts. So God is interested in your heart, my heart, son, daughter, give me your heart. God doesn't want your actions. He wants you. He wants the very soul. And this is the problem. There's no unity in the world because our hearts are divided. That's what happened in the Garden of Eden when God created everything perfect and our first parents were placed in paradise When they disobeyed God, we call it the fall. What did the fall do? The fall divided our hearts. It divided the very center of our beings. And we see this happening a little later in Genesis, don't we? When the Tower of Babel was built. Up till then, everybody was speaking the same language. And people spoke different languages after the destruction of the Tower of Babel. And we use the word Babel to describe confusion, a Babel of voices. But there's confusion in our hearts, in our hearts. That's why uh, there is conflict. That's why uh, there are wars. That's why there are divisions. That's why people fall out with one another. The hearts is divided. And the problem, as Jeremiah said in chapter 17, is that the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. We can't even trust our hearts. Let let me just give you a few illustrations here. There's a division between what we know and what we are. Isn't that so? Have you, have you read some of the great philosophers? They make some astounding statements, you know, about an ideal life, an ideal world. Uh, read uh, Plato on the Republic. It sounds like utopia, because it is. That's the problem. When you actually read, then, what the lifestyle of these great philosophers was like, it was the reverse So in their minds, they have these wonderful views of what society could be like. But in their own lives, it was anything but that. So there is this disharmony between what we think is right and our own lifestyle. Are you just 
a Christian on Sunday? Uh, do you live the rest of the week uh, as an unbeliever? That's not Christianity. That's what many of us were brought up with. Our Christianity was like the best clothes we were wearing to the chapel. We would put them on Sunday morning, but then discard them for the rest of the week. That's not what people want. They see straight through that, don't they? And then there's a division between what we profess to be and even what we are outwardly and our hearts. You know, the people in Jeremiah's day, they weren't out and out bad people. They were very religious. If you read Isaiah and Jeremiah, before God took them to captivity, the people went overboard with religious ceremonies. But God was saying to them, I don't want your religiosity. It makes me sick. It's the heart that I want. The heart. Uh, what did Jesus say of the religious leaders of his day? The same thing. These people worship me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Isn't it good to be in church this morning? Isn't it good not to have any regulations anymore? Isn't it good to be here in our bodies? You may be here in body, but where is your heart this morning? Isn't it good to be able to sing these wonderful hymns without having to wear a mask? We may be here in our singing, but are we here in our hearts? Are we singing from our hearts? You know, in one of the Psalms, there's a statement which we misunderstand, I think. The fool says, there is no God. And we immediately think, ah, that must be the Richard Dawkinses of this world. And it includes that. But it doesn't say that, does it, the psalmist? The fool says, not on television, not to himself, not to the world. The fool says in his heart that there is no God. And the psalmist was thinking about people in his own day. Religious people, people who profess to know God, can say in their hearts that there is no God. I always preach the gospel to myself. Don't we need Jesus Christ? Don't we need him? And then there's a division between what we know is right. We know, we know what is right. And the desires, the desires. The Apostle Paul said, when I desire to do good, evil is present with me. Listen to James, very practical. Whence come wars and fightings among you? Come they not hence, even of your lusts, your desires that war in your members? Ye lust and have not, ye kill in your hearts, and desire to have, and cannot and that's how wars between nations come. Putin desiring to have more. And that's where troubles on a smaller scale come. I want it all and I want it now. And that's not happening and it's causing conflict. Um, do you know Salem Chapel up near Harlech? Beautiful part of Wales. If you drive up... Uh, into one of the valleys in the mountains behind Hadlech, you'll come to a chapel, Salem Chapel, very small chapel. And if you go into that chapel, there's a picture uh, based on that chapel. I don't know if the picture 
no, I don't think the picture's on the wall of the chapel, but it's a famous picture in Wales of somebody in that chapel. It's from 100 years ago, and it's a religious lady wearing a shawl, a Welsh shawl. And she looks so respectable. She looks so religious. She looks so devout. You think that she must be a really godly woman. But if you look carefully in the folds of the shawl, and over her heart, interestingly, you can see the devil. You can see the devil. And the word for divided in the Bible is the same word as folds. Isn't that interesting? Our hearts are folded. They're divided. Uh, I'm wearing a non-iron shirt this morning. There's hopefully no folds there. But if you have a shirt that has to be ironed, it's full of folds, isn't it? And our hearts, they're so complicated. Deceitful above all things. Who can understand them? We deceive ourselves. We can't bring together divided hearts. You, you can't do it. You, you can't. No amount of superglue will bring about uh, divided hearts. What's the wonderful promise here? Two words. I will. I will give you one heart. Uh, there's an echo of Ezekiel. In Ezekiel, you've got an extra word. I will give them one heart. And I will put a new spirit within you. And I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh. And will give you a heart of flesh. The heart is so divided. It's so folded. You can't fix it. You need a new heart. And that's what Christianity offers. Praise God. A new, new disposition. We're not talking about a new personality, right? It's the cult's that changes your personality. We're not talking about new powers, new intellects, uh, new uh, physical powers. That's not Christianity. Christianity is about a new disposition. We're dead. We're not just divided in our hearts. We're dead in trespasses and sins. And God, the master doctor, the master operator, uh, says, I've got a book here by... Uh, Adam K, this is going to hurt. And God says, this is going to hurt. I'm going to take away your heart, your heart of flesh, your divided heart. I'm going to give you heart surgery and I'm going to put a heart that is alive to me. A heart to praise God. A heart that feels the blood of Jesus Christ. A heart that beats for God and not for ourselves. My friends, we're not talking about perfection here. We're still going to be imperfect in ourselves, but now there's a new disposition within us, the effusive power of a new affection. We begin to desire things that we didn't desire before. We begin to desire God. We begin to desire holiness. We begin to desire to know Jesus Christ. We begin to love things that we didn't love before. We begin to love uh, the things of God. We begin to love the fact that Jesus Christ died for our sins. There's a new controller. There's a new controller. When you pass a restaurant and it says under new ownership, it 
makes you want to give it another try sometimes, doesn't it? A new owner, a new owner. This is going to hurt, God says. This is going to hurt. Now, this is a paradox. I don't understand this. When the heart is unbroken, it is divided. Do you understand that? Let me read that again. When the heart is unbroken, it is divided. And when the heart is broken, then for the first time, it is united. Every fragment of it mourns over sin and cries out for mercy. Every shattered particle of a contrite spirit is united in one desire to be reconciled to God. That's what God says. It's going to hurt. By my spirit, I'm going to break your hearts so that you come to your senses and you call for Jesus Christ to save you. This is what I love about Christianity. It's not religiosity. It's about reality. Are you real this morning? No more folds. I am before the Lord, and I know one thing, and this is what unites people when they're brought to their senses. I know I'm a sinner. I know I'm a sinner. Nothing else can be said about me. I'm just a sinner. I can't fix my heart. I am broken. I am filthy. I am not right with God. And the one thing that I desire is to be forgiven and to be made right with God. That's the one thing. When I was in Moldova, I was so grateful that I didn't have to kill the pig. Because to eat meat, you've got to kill the pig first. So others did that. But what I had to do was beat the meat to make it tender. Have you, have you ever had to do that? You take ages just to beat the meat. And that's what I'm praying God will do here this morning. Not me, but by his spirits, he will strike with a hammer of his word and break our hearts of stone. A divided heart is not a broken heart. If you've got a broken heart this morning, take encouragement, because God is working in you. And if you still haven't been broken, I feel sorry for you. May every one of us be real, be real sinners, be real before God. Uh, now, let's look at the second promise here. One heart, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creature, a new creation. I am a new creation, no more in condemnation here. In the grace of God, I stand, and I will praise you, Lord. That, that's the first promise. God does that. I can't do it for you. I can only point you to the surgeon who can do it. Call on Jesus Christ. And then one way, this is just as important, because you may ask, but pastor, how can this come about? I'm not right with God. I'm going in the opposite direction. And this is what God says. When people are given a new disposition, they are put in a new way and they're going in a different direction. Do you know what early Christians were called? They were called many things. <laughs> and some of them weren't complimentary. 
But one of the things that they were called was people of the way. I like that. I don't know about you. I like that. People of the way. Because all these believers, they were going in the same direction. What a wonderful picture of Christianity. So we're on the broad road when we're born, and it's popular, it's easy often, and it leads to eternal hell. When God starts to deal with us, and when God starts to give us a new heart, we're taken out of the broad road and put on another road. It's narrow. There are fewer people on it. It's often rougher, steeper, more dangerous. But it leads to glory. Woody Guthrie wrote a book, Bound for Glory. Bound for Glory. This road, it might be rough, but it's going to glory. That's where Joan is. That's where others that we have buried recently are. Are you going there? Are you going on the way? The way. So it doesn't matter, you see. Uh, it doesn't matter what age you may be. There is nothing complicated about this gospel. It's Jesus Christ doing something, coming into your heart, giving you a new disposition. There, there, there is nothing uh, that's cultural about this gospel. We may be different nationalities. Isn't that wonderful here this morning that we've got people from different cultures? Is, isn't that a mark of the unity of Christianity? We can pray here this morning for Christians in Russia, for Christians in Ukraine. We may have different abilities. Some may have a degree in geography even. Every believer has a degree, a BA degree, born again. We may have different interests in life. But there's one thing that binds us. We're all going the same way. We're all speaking the same language, even when sometimes you're in a church overseas and you don't understand a word being said. Spiritually, we're all speaking the same language. Before Jesus was betrayed in the Garden of Gethsemane, one of his disciples, Philip, asked him to speak plainly for once. We want to know the way to heaven. And Jesus said, I am the way. No one comes to the Father but by me. I am the way. When the heart is united to Christ, there's a single object, one direction, and one goal, heaven, one way. Let, let me just, before I finish, open this up a bit, this way. Uh, do, do you enjoy looking at roads? As a geographer, I actually enjoy studying roads. Uh, think of the M6. The M6 has got to be one of the best motorways in the country because it starts in the industrial midlands and by the end 
you're up in the Lake District. How much better can you get than that? Look at this way. Look at this way. One truth. One truth. We're people of the book when we become Christians. Not that we don't read any other books, but this book is unlike any other uh, human book. This is God's word. As I said to the children, this is the roadmap uh, for our souls. And this book really has one truth in it. As somebody prayed recently, the written word leads to the living word. It's the truth as it is in Jesus Christ. So it doesn't matter if you have other views when it comes to all sorts of things in Christianity and in the Christian life. There is one truth, and that is Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus, the God-man, came into this world to do one thing, one mission, to save sinners like you and me. And on that cross, he took our sins in his own body, the good shepherd laying his life for the sheep so that we can be forgiven, so that a holy God can pardon our sins and open the way to heaven. Jesus is the way. Jesus is the door. Jesus is the shepherd. Jesus is all. One truth. Jesus is the key to open the Bible. You can know a lot about the Bible. You can even have a degree in theology. But if you don't know Jesus, you don't know the Bible because you don't know the author. One truth. It's interesting that Paul, writing to a church, says, I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing. How can that be? How can we all speak the same thing? We are all speaking the same language. If it's got the letter J in it, we're all speaking the same language. If it's got the letter E in it, we're all speaking the same language. If it's got S, if it's got U, and if it's got another S. Jesus. One truth. One hope. As Stuart Townend put it, my hope. That's not Stuart Townend, is it? That's just as good. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. That talks of the blood on the cross, his death. I dare not trust my heart, the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. And what did Stuart Townend say? Can somebody help me? In Christ alone, my hope is found. I love the authorised version, but my hope isn't found in it. I love the way we do things, but my hope isn't based on it. I love our history here in Wales, our Christian history, but I'm not relying on it. Where is your hope this morning? You see, we're all going in the same direction if our trust is holy in Jesus Christ. We're not interested in other things. We may be interested in them in another context, but this is what brings us together. Jesus Christ. This is the message we want to shout from the rooftops. This is what we want every church in Cardiff and in Wales to declare, that Jesus is Lord and that Jesus saves, and that's not to our own glory, but to the glory of God. Don't you want that? 
one hope, one hope. When Jesus Christ has come into our hearts and subdued our sin, because he's pardoned our sin, we're right with God. There is no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus. I'm at peace with my maker. Wonderful. And then my conscience says it is well with my soul. So there is peace within. My heart is no longer divided. No one can reveal things about me that I don't already know and that God doesn't know. And I'm at peace with people round about me because Christ has forgiven me. I can forgive others. There's nothing like this. Absolutely nothing. Is your hope in Christ alone? And one goal, this road, this gospel train, is bound for glory. There's a famous gospel song, isn't there, about the gospel train that's been covered by many people. Are you on it? Are you on it? If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creature. One heart. One way. The path of the righteous, that's the Christian, is like the dawning light that shines more and more until the perfect day. The best is yet to be. How can that be in a world that is increasingly uncertain? In a world where we may have another war in our country? Jesus Christ is with us. Jesus Christ. Are you in Jesus Christ? That's what a Christian is. A Christian isn't somebody who believes certain things only, or feels certain things only, or does certain things only. All those come out from a heart that has a new controller, Jesus Christ. And from being in the way, the way to glory. I long for every one of us here, from the youngest to the oldest, from whatever background you are, that you will find yourself in Christ. Not having your own righteousness, whatever, but through faith in him, knowing his blood blotting out all your sins and being clothed in his righteousness. And then, my friend, you will have a song to sing. You'll have someone worth singing about. Isn't that why our brothers and sisters are singing in a besieged city, in the subway? They've got something worth singing about. Oh, may we sing now from our hearts his praises and the hymn is, what a wonderful change, what a wonderful change since Jesus came into my heart. I know this better in Welsh, but I will sing it in English, but it's singing from our hearts that matters. So there's no number if you're at home because it's from our supplements.
There's only one road, and it leads to Calvary. Nearer, still nearer. Nothing we bring, only our sinful, now contrite hearts. Give us but Jesus. We praise thee, Father, for this gospel that makes us truly one. And now may the grace of Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all now and forever. Amen.